Australians. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Yes, that comes with a sound that say we carry a spirit that goes where there's no order and brings order. And it comes by us making decisions. As Australians, we carry the spirit that brings hope. We carry a spirit that brings life. We carry a spirit that brings order where there was no order. And this year, we need to begin to walk in it with confidence, with confidence, without shame and not being apologetic about being an Australian. It's an honor, it's a blessing. We are anointed, we are appointed, and we need to remember that church. We need to remember that. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we want to thank you this morning. We want to glorify you that you have loved us with everlasting love. And Lord, as we come this morning, we are all excited for this year as individuals and corporately. And Father, there's so many of us who need to make our decision clear about our commitment to you this year and the calling and the anointing of God that is upon us because we are Australians. Father, we want to thank you. We want to glorify you that as we gather this morning and even as we go into the word right now, that Lord, you would speak through my vocal cords and Lord, that lives will be changed, that revelation knowledge will come, that healing will come, that even some decisions can be made this morning. Lord, we love you and we honor you. We want a deeper relationship with you this morning to begin something new. Your word tells us that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. We thank you for that. Many people have experienced the goodness of God, but the mercy of God, we have not understood it. But you promised us that it's a daily thing. We encounter mercy and goodness daily. It will follow us wherever we go. It will pursue us, oh God. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the people of God said, Amen. 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 Let's give a hand of applause to our worship team because there's nothing incredible and powerful as getting into an atmosphere of worship and words are released to build and encourage each other. They set an atmosphere for us to receive this morning. Amen. How many are visiting us this morning? You're a visitor, you've got to your own local. Welcome, welcome. It's nice to have you. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Tendai. I love being a member of Casey City Church. It's an honor to be standing here. Our pastors are way rejuvenating, rekindling, 
because the year is going to be a full-on year. Amen? Amen. This morning, I'm going to be speaking to four kinds of people or to four kinds of situations that we experience in life. Number one people I'm going to talk to is those people who say, my life has always been one thing after another, no break for me. It's not that you've done anything wrong, but you have experienced a challenge after challenge. It's like there's no break and you're saying enough. I don't want that anymore. Do I have anyone like that? Saying enough, I want something new. Thank you for that. And then there are those of us who are saying, I've been doing the right thing. But all of a sudden there's a drought. I'm trying to figure out how to come out of this drought. I can, I, I'm doing all the things that I'm supposed to do, but it's a dry season. And I can't continue. How many of you know that dry seasons need to come to an end? Yeah. If you're here, you don't need to lift up your hand. I want you to know that I want to encourage you this morning. And then there are some of us who are saying, I have never made my own choices. Before I can actually make my own choice, something else has come and it shifts me from making my own choice. It's just been one thing. I think about it that I'm gonna do this, but all of a sudden something comes and it moves me from the very place I wanted to be. I decide, I make a decision, but the storms of life sift me away. By the time I get up to get onto that path again, something again, to the point that it feels like I'm just in a storm. If you're here, I want to encourage you. And my title of my message today is Stand. Let no beast, no vulture, take what belongs to you. You have to stand. Just stand. Even in that storm, you can find something to grip on and stand. Amen? Are we good this morning? Amen. Did I, am I clear? Good. Let's go to the Word of God. I'm reading from the Old Testament and I'm using the New King James Version. Bear with me, we're going to read a bit of a long scripture. Uh, yeah? That's good. Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 21 from verse 1. Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year, and David inquired of the Lord, 
David what? Inquired of the Lord. And the Lord answered it and said, It is because of Saul and his bloodthirst house that he killed the Gibbonites. So the king called the Gibbonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibbonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. The children of Israel had sworn protection to them, but Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal for the children of Israel and Judah. Therefore David said to the Gibeonites, what shall I do for you? And and with what shall I make atonement? Atonement, he said. That you may bless the inheritance of the Lord. And when the Gibbonites had, had this, they said to him, We will not have no silver or gold from Saul or from Saul's house. No, shall we kill any man in Israel for us? So he said, whatever you say, I'll do for you. Then they answered the king. As for the men who consumed us, they were referring to Saul. And plotted against us that we should be destroyed from the remaining in these territories of Israel. Let's seven men of his descendants be delivered to us and we will hang them before the Lord in Giba of Saul whom the Lord chose and the king said I will give them but the king spared Mesibosheth the son of Jonathan the son of Saul because, the, because of the Lord's oath that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. So the king took, took Aramon and Meshiboseth and the sons of Rispa, the daughter of Ahai, and she, who she bore to Saul, and five of the sons of Michal, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought to Adriel and the son of Bezreel and Meholath. And they delivered them into the hands of the Gibbonites. And they hanged them on the hill before the Lord. So they fell all seven together and were put to death in the days of the harvest and the first day of the beginning of the harvest of Bali. Now Rispa, I want you to say Rispa. The daughter of Ahai took sackcloth. She spread it for herself on the rock from the beginning of the harvest until the late rains. She did not allow the beds of the air to rest on them by day, nor the beast of the fields by night. And David was told what Rispa, the daughter of Ahai, the concubine of Saul, had done. Then David, when he 
Then David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of Jabesh Gilead, who had stolen them from the street of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hung them. And after the Philistines had struck them down, Saul and Gibel. So he brought the bones of Saul and of Jonathan and his sons from there, and they gathered the bones so that they had been, that those that had been hung, they were buried, and their bones of Saul were buried in the, and, and his son Jonathan in the country of Benjamin in Zillah, in the tomb of Kisha, his father. So they performed all, the, all that the king commanded, and after that, God heeded the prayer of the land. Amen? I'll give you a background because it was a long story. David becomes king after Saul when Saul has died. We know that David went and he was serving King Saul. But we also know that Saul was a zealous man. He did some things that were not so good, that were not pleasing before God. David all of a sudden is faced by a crisis. He is the king. He makes sure that the land is well looked after. But all of a sudden, there is a drought. The first year, he figures we've got enough, we'll be fine. The second year, he figures, he calls all the elders. They talk to their alibis, they'll be fine. But the third year, he figures, I cannot handle this alone. This is beyond me. This is beyond my resources. I need to inquire of the Lord. The drought is not normal. It's not just there's been something. This is beyond me as the king. I need to inquire of the Lord. To those of you who said you seem, I said you seem to ex experience difficult situation consistently, here is a lesson for you. If it is consistent, inquire of the Lord. Amen? You need to inquire of the Lord. You've done all that you can. You've used all the methods and you've seen others getting results from the methods, but your situation is not changing. I call you and invite you that if the situation is not changing, inquire of the Lord. Because when he inquired of the Lord, the Lord explains to him that wait a minute, David. There's been a covenant that has been broken because the Israelites had made peace with the Gibeonites. They had told them that we will not fight. We will stay together in peace. But Saul, in his own zeal, not under the instruction of God, went on and he had destroyed, he had killed the people that they had had a covenant with. He had betrayed his allies. And because of his betrayal, years down the line, there's a generation that is experiencing a dry season. You hear me? 
sometimes what you are going through has got nothing to do with you. There was someone along the line who has passed down and you are having to experience the drought because mama or grandma or great-grandma just slipped a bit on a covenant that was supposed to be kept. You hear me? You're experiencing a dry season, not because of your own issue, but because of someone else that you were attached to. Israel had had a king who missed the line, and now they are experiencing a drought. That's challenging to have to pay for someone's situation you were not aware of. It's hard. So David being the king, he goes to the Gibeonites and say, wait a minute. I acknowledge, I acknowledge that there was something done by the man who was before me and I need to make peace with this. Rule number two, first I said inquire of the Lord. Number two, you need to acknowledge that thing that no matter how nasty it is, acknowledge it. It's embarrassing to go and say, I know. I know that something bad was done by somebody who was supposed to do the right thing by you. But I'm acknowledging it now. I apologize. I acknowledge. Let's make things right from now. It takes integrity to do that. David did that. And the Gibeonites said, we don't want silver. We don't want gold. We want seven descendants. My God. We want seven descendants of Saul. David kept his covenant in the midst of this. He had had a covenant with Jonathan, his best friend. And he had looked after Meshiboshet and he said, I'll give you the rest of the descendants, but this one is a covenant one. I'll keep him. He takes five from Michal and two from Rispa. It says Rispa was Saul's concubine. A concubine is not a wife. She's a kept woman. And during those years, for women, for anyone who doesn't understand, if the king called you and you became his concubine, no other man could touch you because you belong to the king. But neither would you also stand with the king, nor your children stand with the king. They would be hidden. So Rispa's life, I want to talk to you about Rispa this morning. Rispa never got to be picked to be loved, but she was just taken. And she became his concubine. And when you were a concubine, people would whisper, say, oh, she's the concubine. Because it was not legal, right? You are there, but you are not noticed. She never experienced the love and acceptance in a relationship with Saul. But there comes years down the line, and God blessed her, she had two boys. Saul was already gone, and in those years, her sons would be her providers. 
But all of a sudden, she gets an invitation. She knows that King David is looking after Meshibosheth, and she is called with her two sons. Can I have two sons with me right now? Two guys to come and volunteer. I need two guys. Here I am as Rispa with my two sons who when the people see them, they say, oh, they are the king's kids, but not the real ones. They are from a concubine. How do these boys feel? We are supposed to experience royalty. They are, they carry the royal blood. But they are kept behind. We only hear about Jonathan being David, being Saul's son. But there were other sons. I don't know if you are here and you've always felt like you are not seen. This morning I've come to tell you, you have royal blood. And you have to stand in your royal blood. And you have to believe that you are royal. So come with me my sons. We've been invited by the king. We know that King David is full of mercy. We've had a drought for three years. Maybe he's remembered that you are royalty. This is what mama is thinking when she's going with her sons. We get to the king. The king says, Rispa, you know these are so, oh yes they are, I was faithful. Though I was not his wife, I was his concubine. I acknowledge it. Not my choice, his choice. And I bore him good looking young man. And guess what? She's told your sons are paying for their father's sins. It was a heartbreaking moment. My sons are hung. Thank you. Give them a hand of applause. Her sons are hung. But I want to tell you what she did. The sons were long gone. They were dead. Rispa did not leave the sight of her children. The word of God tells us that during days she made sure she was standing there. She changed. She took off her Gucci because she dressed well. She took off the glamour and she put on the set cloth. What am I saying? There are times where you need to put on the whole armor of God. And having done all, you have to stand. Her life had always been subjected to what the king wanted. She had no choices. But at this stage, she said, today I will stand. Though my sons are dead, but no beast, no vulture shall defile my stinking children. They were not alive. They were dead. Can you imagine the stench? During the day, she'll be like, when the vouchers came, the rain came, she did not eat. Can you see how gross that was? Everyone had a story and they came to see, obviously. They saw the boy has hung. 
But there came a time when nobody could look. It was a nasty sight. But Rispa was there. Day and night, the word of God tells us. She made a decision. That they may have paid for their father's sins. But they are going to get royal dignification even after being hung. Because after a while, people went and said, David, that concubine you took her sons she is still at the hill for months she has not slept for months she has not left the sight of that stinge of that smelling place she is protecting the rotten kids how many of us give up on living things we lift up our hands and we say I'm tired I can't go on I'm a mother. I'm telling you, I have one son. If they came and say he has to pay for Francis, I'll change. I'll say, no, he was not Francis' son. I will change. I will make up a story to fight for my son. There were two women here. Mikel is she, the sons went, maybe she buried herself. Sometimes when life gets the toughest, my message to you is to say stand. Here is a woman who stood in a smelly environment. Everyone would ask her, what are you still doing here? They are decaying. They are decomposing. And she said, no. They deserve a royal send-off. They may have paid for their father's sins, but I'm going to make sure this time even David will acknowledge that they were the king's son. And watch what the Bible says when David heard about how she stood through the difficult, decaying moments. Watch this. He not only rescued the boys, he went and took Saul's bones too. He went and took Saul's bones too. Which means King Saul had not been given a dignified burial. Because of Rispa, the boys finally rested as royalty. With their daddy there, their brother there, and them too. She may have been a concubine. She may have been laughed for so long, but the day she made a decision to say enough, even the King David, head of it, it moved him. It moved him to bring the boys down and the king from the place where he'd been stolen and give them a good burial. Some of you are looking at me and saying tonight, how does that relate to me now? Some of us have given up on things that God promised us. Twenty nineteen. Think of Rispa. She didn't quit when it was hard. Just seeing your son being hung is hard enough to look at it. But she looked after them even when they were decaying. No vulture, 
no beast during the day. You know how it is when things are rotting, how the vouchers go, quack, quack, quack. Rispa will be like, no, not on my boys. Not on my boys. They've had enough, not on me anymore. Not on my generation anymore. The word of God tells us what happened was part of the law. It was part of the law because the word of God is clear. It says I will visit the sins of the fathers on the children. But you know what? For our generation we have an atonement already. He was hung for me. But after he was hung for me, the enemy will still try to devour what is mine. But not under my watch, church. I will stand like Rispa stood. And I want to encourage you as we enter this year. You know even some of the things that you've gone through. One, and we call that family. Oh, it runs in the family. If it's not of the family of the Jesus Christ, I reject it. I refuse it. I will have to stand against that situation. No beast, no voucher. I am standing. And you know what? It's okay for everyone to leave you. Because when things get stinky, when they get rotting, people will leave you. But keep standing. Keep standing, church. Keep standing. Because if you are royalty and you are standing, the blood of the royal speaks louder. It doesn't matter how smelly the situation is. Keep standing. We have generations that have done stuff that we are paying for. It wasn't your fault. It wasn't Rispa's fault that she was a concubine. It wasn't the boy's fault. Daddy messed up and now they get to pay. But mama says, you've paid enough. It's time we make this official that this has to end and you have to get your title back. You have to stand. I, I know we talk about identity and everything, but some of us give up too quickly. We give up too quickly. If God says you're the head and not the tail, stand up. Even if you don't feel like it. Because Rispa, I don't think she felt like it. I am imagining, oh my God. There are moments where the vouchers would come and she was weak. Because how could you eat in that place? How do you eat with decomposing bodies? How do you? She didn't give up. She didn't stop fighting for the final stamp, for the final call. My brother Kevin came with a word that says some of you had expectations in 2019, in 2018, and we are now in 2019. Don't give up. If you're standing on his word, don't give up. We need 
to be like Rispa. We need to be like Rispa. I don't think any of us have a stinky, stinky and decomposing situation like hers. Years of never having her words heard as a concubine. But all of a sudden, she fights the good fight of faith. She says, enough is enough. What's there to live for anymore? What am I surviving for? I had king's kids and all the time they didn't even recognize, but for them to be sacrificed? No. No, 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 no. To die and be devoured and not even remember where my son's bones are. Not on my watch. I may not have given them the walk, but I will bury them with dignity. Even those that you cannot resurrect, let they be a finish of dignity. Let they be a finish of dignity. Amen? Finish well. The story may have not started too good for, for Rispa, but today... We are learning that she finished well for her boys and not only her bowls, boys, but even Saul. Because Saul's bones had been stolen. But because of Rispa, he got a good burial. What am I saying to you, church? It's time to not just easily give up. It's time to not just be a talking church. We need to be active. You need to act in the midst of the decay. Do something that will cause the kings to be told, hey, do something about this. This is nasty. That black woman, Tendai, she is crazy. <laughs> Go and do something about it. We can't even pass through that place, but she is still there. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 3.13 says, Put on the full armor of God, so that when, you, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, stand. Stand. 